Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. James Harden doesn't feel an ounce of pressure right now as he and Joel Embiid chase a championship for the Philadelphia 76ers. Odd in that he does not have one as of yet. It's Chris Carlin. Chris Canty in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Chris, James Harden told Complex yesterday that or this week that he doesn't feel any pressure. He doesn't feel like, quote, I don't have anything to prove. I don't feel any pressure. I don't feel any of that. For me, it's about going out there and playing my game, trying to help my team win. I, I, I really have major issues with what he had to say, but when you get that first response and you hear exactly what his thoughts are on not having any pressure, doesn't it make you question where the motives are for James Harden? Uh, it really doesn't, and here's why. If you're James Harden, you've already got an MVP on your belt. You, you've been, been the scoring champ three times in this league. You're a seven-time All-NBA performer, and you know that based on what the Sixers gave up to bring you over from Brooklyn, you're going to get your contract extension this summer when you're eligible. He's got a $47.4 million option for next season, and then he'll be eligible to sign a four-year, $223 million contract extension. So, Carlin, over the next five years, James Harden has got $270.4 million coming to him. I don't know how much pressure I would feel under if I know I'm going to get $270 million over the next five years. Well, let's listen to an interesting discussion from this morning. On Get Up, Tim Legler and Brian Windhorst we're discussing this very topic and where James Harden is in terms of not feeling like he has anything to prove. First, here's Tim. He absolutely has something to prove. In fact, I'll say he has more to prove than any other player in the postseason coming into it. And he knows that. He's just trying to put forth that front of confidence and also lack of regard for what other people think. Mm. Like, you're not going to bother me. I'm good no matter what happens. The truth is, though, he will be judged harshly if he does not play well and they lose this series. So here is the Brian Windhorse response to that. I think he's being 100% honest, and I think he's right. Legs, you're speaking from somebody who's worried about accountability. James Harden is not. He played one of the most disappointing playoff series I can remember three years ago, blamed Chris Paul. Rockets sent Chris Paul packing. Last two years, wasn't happy with the situation, quit on his team, got traded. No matter what he does in this postseason, he's getting that $200 million contract. I mean, you're talking about it from a personal accountability standpoint. I haven't seen that from Harden, and I've only seen him be rewarded and get everything he wants. So he plays well in the postseason, and the Sixers advance, great. He plays poorly. I'll let you know on July 1st when I'm ready to come in and sign my contract. That's how his life has been. Why would it be any different? Okay, so here's the last piece of it from Tim Legler about the positioning of Harden now as a star in Philadelphia and how they will respond to that. He's never experienced scrutiny like he's going to experience in this market. There's there's nothing like what that fan base and what that media are going to do to James Harden. He never got that in Houston. He didn't get it in Brooklyn. This is a completely different level of expectation and accountability And he's going to feel that every single day when he's in public, every time he takes the floor going forward. 
He's going to feel it, and that's why I think there is more pressure in this situation, even for a guy that might not care. Like, he's just going to get his numbers, got his MVP, I win, I get my money. If that's how we're going to portray James Harden, okay, but not in this market. They're not going to allow you to just go and be happy and spend your money. That's just not what Philadelphia's going to do to him. All of this tells me, Chris, that James Harden just doesn't care about winning. When we talk about him not feeling any pressure, he doesn't care about winning a championship. And when people point to you know, having problems with athletes today in sports, this is really the guy you should be talking about. Other guys don't have this kind of an issue because even ones who talk a lot want to win, and athletes should absolutely be empowered, but this is just taking it so far. Because let's think about this for a second. James Harden was forced uh, forced out, Dwight Howard, CP3, and Russ, all in Houston, each one individually, because he didn't want to play with any of them, didn't feel like he could get where he needed to go with any of those three, and Howard being in his prime. Then he forced his way out of Houston when his guy, Daryl Morey, was out, and he did it by tanking his way out. Then less than a year later... He does the exact same thing in Brooklyn where he is with the best player in the game and he doesn't trust Kyrie Irving to be able to win. In the meanwhile, during all of this, he's completely out of shape and worried about what his numbers are. He's gone to Philadelphia. He has been disappointing so far, if we're going to be frank about it. Mm-hmm. There, there has never been any kind of a suggestion that he is going to be that true number two star. Yet, he is holding them hostage for $233 million next year. He's going to get $62 million of the deal in the last year. Mm. If you're Harden, why is it so difficult to actually care about winning? LeBron cares. Kevin Durant cares. Durant was more than fine with getting rid of him in less than a year. And Durant wants to win. I, maybe I'm well, lost. Well, well, well yeah, I'm I, lost I, I, I think you're a little off base with this one. I don't take this as Harden not wanting to win because he says there's no pressure on him. Keep in mind, Kevin Durant wasn't happy about letting James Harden go. James but Harden. But in the end, to, Durant J- had to uh, approve it. He was well, fine. Well, I don't think I don't think Kevin Durant had any choice because James Harden wasn't going to sign a contract extension in Brooklyn, and the organization had to do what they had to do. The reason why James Harden wanted out of Brooklyn is because they had a superstar in Kyrie Irving that they needed in order to win a championship, and he got tired of being the only one out there when Kevin Durant was missing for over twenty games. That was twenty games. Uh, you can't hang in longer than that yeah, to see how it's going to play out in the but, middle of the but, pandemic. But here's the thing. You're talking about not having any idea when you're getting Kyrie Irving back. No clue. We didn't know that the vaccine mandate was going to be lifted in time for the postseason. We had no idea. That was a moving target. But we knew that Kyrie Irving, for whatever reason, whether it was this year with the COVID mandates or the season before this one, when he went AWOL for a couple of weeks and nobody on the team knew where he was, this is supposed to be a guy that's an integral part of a championship contender. And when you don't have that piece, if you're James Harden, 
That's not what you signed up for when you forced your way out of Houston. So I can understand wanting to link up with his good buddy Daryl Morey down in Philly, a GM that he trusts, a GM that he knows is going to get him exactly what he wants. And, oh, by the way, I've got the first big man to win the scoring title in Joel Embiid since Shaquille O'Neal did it 20 years ago. So I, I I don't take what James Harden said as him not wanting to compete at a high level. I take what James Harden did as him saying, I'm trying to compete and win a championship, and I'm going to lean on a GM that I trust and a superstar player in Joel Embiid that has shown me no matter what else is going on around him, he's going to play at a high level. But that's what I'm that's what I'm willing to bet on rather than the mercurial talent of Kyrie Irving. Well, let's call Daryl Morey what he is. He does whatever James Harden wants. That's why he trusts him. I exactly, mean, and, and, but, but, but Carlin, as a professional athlete... And what does James Harden ever repeat as, him? It, Carlin, here's the thing. If you were a professional athlete, you wouldn't want that? I would want it. You would, would absolutely I mean, want but it, it. But at some point... So that doesn't, Chris, but that doesn't mean Chris, that James Harden doesn't want to win. I, it does to me when now he does not understand that he has gotten his way in every instance... And he has never won in any of those instances. So there is no I, no self-awareness that maybe you're part of the problem. You're not happy. You force out the other guys first. Then you get fat, force yourself out out of two situations. He couldn't say 20 games he was upset with what Kyrie Irving was going on when we you could wait to see the, at least the rest of the year to see how it's going to play out. If you weren't going to sign up, I mean, for Pete's sake, and now... But, Carla, you're, ask, you're asking him to wait the rest of the year when we're seeing the deterioration of James Harden right before our he's eyes. He's getting his money either way. We've but, all but, made that abundantly but, 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 clear. But, 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 okay, so, Carlin, then it's not about the money. This is not about the money. This is about Harden having some urgency about trying to compete at a high level once we get to the playoffs. I, I take what he did as absolutely wanting to win. He had no oh, time to wait it. on Houston to rebuild it around him. He had no time to wait for Kyrie Irving to come back from the vaccine mandate. Let me get someplace where I can change this narrative about my career when it comes to the playoffs. Well, Philly is that place because they've got my guy Daryl Morey in the front office and they got Joel Embiid. I can make this work. To me, I take this as hard and prioritizing winning over being around nonsense that we saw in Brooklyn over the last three years since Katie and Kyrie got there. Because you're still talking about a team that has not lived up to the expectations with two of the top ten offensive players that the game has seen over the last 20 years. Even if he didn't think he could win with Kyrie, what about Durant? I mean, that was just an injury. It wasn't he's shut down forever. It wasn't it's over. The guy had already signed his extension. James Harden and Kevin Durant, who's the best player in the sport, couldn't win together in James Harden's mind? I'm not I'm not saying that they couldn't win together, but if you're looking at it from Harden's perspective, you can't extricate Kevin Durant from Kyrie Irving. You can't separate those guys. They came here together. So if you're signing up to play with KD, that means signing up for the uncertainty of Kyrie. And because you have Kyrie's salary on the books, you're not going to be able to fill out the rest of the roster and have the supporting cast that you typically would if it was just James and KD. You're, you're, we were already talking about it in the play-in game against the Cavs where KD and Kyrie had to play 40-plus minutes. Last part like of we, this. Like th- that's, if you didn't know that Kyrie was going to be there, that in essence would, would be what you are signing up for. And with that kind of workload over the course of a playoffs, when you're starting out as the seventh seed, 
I, I don't know that that's going to lead to exactly where James Harden wants to be, which is winning a championship. Now, the irony of it is, I don't know that that's going to be the case in Philly, but at least in Philly, you have the security of one of your good friends being the general manager. Well, yeah, and and so if it doesn't come together, is he going to force him beat out? I mean, no, he's not. No, he's not. A couple of years from now, no, he's not going to force Embiid out. Why why would I think otherwise? Well, here's the thing: Embiid is the only thing that Philly has to show for the process, and Embiid is in his twenties. Harden is what thirty-two, about to be thirty-three years old. So I'm not going to side with the aging star when I got a guy that is going to be first or second when it comes to MVP voting this year. I'm sorry. I, I could see. I I do not see when I see James Harden. And the way he handles all of this, I don't see where he and Joel Embiid are going to win a championship together because I just don't, I don't get the impression that it matters all that much to him. And here's the bigger issue, Chris. Maybe it's just the way I perceive it. In the city of Philadelphia, if they perceive that you don't care about winning, it's going to go very badly for you. And I look at the other well, night. Well, well, well Carlin, Carlin, before we even get there, and I hate to cut you off, I will say this. I like the road that the Sixers have a hell of a lot better than the one that the Nets do. Yeah, I, listen, I don't, I won't argue I'd rather, with that. I'd rather, de- I'd rather deal with Toronto in Miami than have to deal with the Celtics in Milwaukee out the gates in the first couple of rounds. Yeah, listen. And I've always said this since that trade went down. I said this. The bar to clear for James Harden is not necessarily winning a championship this year. The bar to clear is making sure that you do better than whatever the Brooklyn Nets do with Kyrie and KD. I don't. That think is the, the bar to clear. I don't think the road matters. I, I honestly don't. I just don't like the way it's coming together. But, I mean, just, just to give you an idea of how poorly this could go in Philadelphia, just think about the other night. You had Alec Bohm of the, of the Phillies who goes out there, kicks the ball around the infield, uh, says under his breath, he gets caught on camera, I hate this blanket pr- place, makes another error, but then uh, comes through later on, and after the game, just owns up. Yeah, I said it. It was a bad moment. I don't hate this place. It was just one of those things. Next day, they're giving him a standing ovation. That town wants to love you. They want to, and the only reason they won't is if you don't show that you care about winning. And I, the perception of Harden, whether or not it's truth, Chris, we all know perception is the only thing that's important. The perception to me would be that he doesn't want to. No question about it. You're absolutely right in that regard. And the thing that I find ironic is you're talking about James Harden leaving the number one media market in the country and going to Philadelphia, and there will be more scrutiny and more pressure down there than he experienced in Brooklyn. Just goes to show you, New York basketball fans don't really care about the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Previously on Greeny. 
You know who else is going to win them a game somewhere? Goran Dragic. It offends me to my core to say this, but when they are engaged, they are unstoppable. Weekly Rewind brought to you by Dell for your small business needs. Call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greedy on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, it's a fair point when they are engaged, but that's an awfully big front part of that sentence, Chris. I mean, I, you and I sat here a couple of weeks ago talking about the Nets being one of the two best teams in the East, yet they have had to scrap and claw uh, just to make sure that they were in the seventh spot, and now they get the Celtics in round one. Yeah, and the Celtics are a team that plays hard for all 48 minutes, so good luck with that if you're the Nets, and that's not what you typically do. No. no yeah, no, no. I, I, that's the problem that I have with the Brooklyn Nets. Offensively, we know that they're supremely talented, but their defense is so bad, Carlin, that they basically turn every opposing team's offense into their offense. So if you're going up against a team that is as good defensively as the Boston Celtics are, that's a team that's capable of getting some stops in critical moments in crunch time, and that could be the difference in winning games, and that could be the difference in this series. Are we seeing a Hall of Fame coach hang it up? That in 30 seconds. Dealing with a dead battery? We'll head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. Their free battery testing can help you know if you need a new battery or not, or if you're in need of a fresh charge. And if you do happen to need a replacement battery they can help with that too they've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99 and they're the only place you can find proven tough Duralast batteries so next time you're having battery trouble head to AutoZone your battery solution and America's number one battery destination so the Spurs lose last night their season is over as the Pelicans win 113-103 and it brought Questions post-game to Greg Popovich about whether or not this was going to be the end for the Spurs' legendary head coach. Would Jalen Rose ask you this if you think he'll come back for another round with this? I'm sorry? Do you think he'll come back and do this again? Devin? You. Oh, that's, that's questions inappropriate. Why is that Why? question inappropriate? <laughs> that's what I'm trying to figure out, big fella. I didn't understand it when I saw it last night. Why is this something that's off limits? That, that's exactly where a lot of fans' minds are going to go. That's what the media is there for, to try to basically tell the story about the team to the fan base. What, that's what people want to know. Is Popovich going to come back for a 27th season down in San Antonio? For a generation of Spurs fans and a generation of NBA fans, that's all they've ever known down there for the Spurs is Greg Popovich being their head coach. This is one of the best head coaches in the history of the game. So people want to know, is he going to be coming back? Now, I get it. The last few years have been down years. You know, whether you want to blame it on COVID, whether you want to blame it on Kawhi, it hasn't gone the way that we typically see Greg Popovich-led teams' seasons go. But people still think that Greg Popovich is capable of being able to get this franchise pointed in the right direction. So that's a perfectly legitimate question. I was surprised that he took that tone with the media. But as my good friend Steven Jackson, who once played for Greg Popovich, always says, a hit dog on holla. And that could be a situation where Greg Popovich could be gearing up to make the announcement that he is stepping away from the game. This is Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. That's exactly what I thought. First of all, you know, 
we've always kind of just chalked it up to, oh, that's pop. Uh, you know, the intimidation factor with the media is always worked to his advantage, but because he has won so much, and it's the same thing with, you know, Belichick just doesn't give answers. He doesn't even respond with a, that's an inappropriate question. It's There's more of a, a little intimidation part of it from Pop's perspective, but when you win as much as he has, you can get away with that. But Chris, I immediately thought of last year uh, when the Nets had an opening before they hired Steve Nash, and there were rumors about Greg Popovich uh, reuniting with Sean Marks and maybe coming to Brooklyn, that he was a big fan of you know, the style of living in New York and, and such, but immediately kind of shot those down. And it just made me think that maybe Pop already knew he doesn't have more than a year or two left and didn't want to necessarily commit to somewhere else after he had been in San Antonio for his entire career. Well, here's the thing, Carlin. The man just turned 73 back in January. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing this for a really long time, and I don't know that there is much left for him to do. I mean, clearly, being you know, Greg Popovich being a part of the NBA makes the league as a whole better, and I think it helps the generation of basketball players that are up and coming. But as far as his individual accomplishments, I don't know that there's anything left for this guy to do. He's got five championships. He's had 22 straight seasons where he's went to the playoffs. He's done it a lot of different ways. I, I don't know. that. I mean, not to mention his involvement with USA Basketball and the Olympics. I, I don't know that there's more for Greg Popovich to do outside of what he's already done. So th- this could be the right time for him to step away. But when you have somebody that's as good at what they do as he is, you let that person determine when they're going to walk away. I just felt like based on what we saw in that press conference – that time could be a lot sooner than a lot of people around the NBA and a lot of sports fans realize. Yes, and once again, a completely appropriate question <laughs> in every way. No question about it. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Candy, and for Greeny today, coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Next, are teams better off drafting a quarterback or going all in on trading for an established star? We will answer that question in just moments on Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We got updates from Woj last night on Luka Doncic and Robert Williams. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, Chris... Let's start with Williams and the Celtics. It sounds like Williams may be possibly around games three or four that he may be able to return because he's coming up on a month out from his surgery at this point. If you're the Celtics, you're a, a favorite in this series. How much are, are games one and two really going to determine how much you're going to risk it with Robert Williams with how much you're getting beat up inside? 
Well, I was going to ask you the question, does that mean, based on this medical report, that we've got to throw out Bruce Brown's game plan Mm. for the remaining portion of the series outside of the first couple of games. <laughs> That's a fair point. I, I just, I mean, Bruce Brown laid it out there. I just felt like, you know, this is going to be what they try to do. And Durant did not appreciate that. Not <laughs> at all. Not at all. But no, in all seriousness, I, I think as soon as Robert Williams tells you he's comfortable being out there, you got to play him because he's such a big part of what you do. I mean, he gives you that rim protection, that shot blocking ability that helps set the stage for your entire defense, how, you, how your guys rotate, um, how your guys defend the three-point line, being aggressive, knowing that they can get up on guys on defense and not worry about a guy trying to blow past them because you've got somebody that can erase some of the mistakes that you might make defensively with allowing guys with dribbled penetration. So I, I, I look at Robert Williams as a huge linchpin in this series, and if the Celtics are able to have him in any capacity, Carlin, then that makes me feel that much more confident about my prediction that Boston is going to take care of business against Brooklyn in the first round. Mavericks have got a major problem on their hands with Luka Doncic because it doesn't sound like he's going to be available for the first couple, and who knows at some point down the line when he could actually help them. And with Doncic, Chris, I mean, he's got the calf injury, and let's all remember it was the same thing that Kevin Durant had a few years ago when he came back Game 7 and blew out his Achilles. Yeah, and that's the thing that you have to worry about. You're, you're balancing what this Dallas Mavericks team can accomplish this year versus the long-term health of Luka Doncic. And to, and to me, Carlin, it's not worth it because I don't think the Dallas Mavs are winning a championship anyway. They Agreed. just don't have enough. So I think you, 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 you'd be ultra-conservative. They haven't set a timetable for it, and I think that's reflected in the actual odds in this series because the Jazz – are a favorite, and I think it's minus 290. It is, and that that's a heavy th- – I mean, that's virtually a 3-1 to one favorite for Utah. I'm with you. Mavericks don't need to risk it. Are you better off drafting a quarterback or trading for an established star and paying him? You know, Chris, yesterday, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network had an interesting tweet – when you see what the prices are on wide receivers and quarterbacks, are you better off? It feels like it's a lot more tempting to maybe force the issue on drafting a quarterback in the first round as opposed to trying to go out and get one. Case in point, look at everything that's had to be given up for Russell Wilson, everything that's had to be given up for Deshaun Watson, and the money then that gets involved as well. Yes, you have established stars, but when you draft one, you obviously have five years at a very controlled price, and maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle, which when it comes to drafting quarterbacks over the last 10 years, it has not exactly been an exact science. Yeah, that's a hell of a maybe, and that's the problem with the theory when it comes to quarterbacks specifically, Colin, because it's a quarterback-driven league, but it's also a quarterback-scarce league. There are never enough quality quarterbacks to go around, let alone quarterbacks that are capable of being the reason why your team can compete and win a Super Bowl. I mean, when you're talking about guys at that level, it's only about 10 to 12 guys. And so if you have one of those guys, if you got one of those dozen quarterbacks – then you're going to do everything that you can to hold on to him. And if you're a team that has an opportunity to get their hands on a guy like that, there's no amount of draft capital that's too much to give up for that guy because if you get that quarterback 
and you sign him to a long-term extension, the hope would be that that guy can elevate the play of those second, third, and fourth round picks that you end up having as draft guys. So I, I just I, I don't necessarily buy into or subscribe to what Daniel Jeremiah is talking about when it comes to quarterbacks specifically just because it's so hard to find a good one. Then getting those draft picks, drafting a guy is not a sure thing when it comes to quarterbacks. It is not. And to give you an idea, you look at the last 10 years with quarterbacks that have been drafted. There have been 33 of them taken in the first round. About seven of them, to Chris and and my count, have turned out to be no-brainer stars along the way. And Chris, the majority of them have come over the last few years. I think there's a couple of things at work here. Number one is that you don't have to be nearly as patient as you used to be when it comes to trying to find out if you have the guy because you haven't made the significant investment yet based on, you know, guys don't get paid at the top of the draft like they used to when Cam... Newton came out and would get $50 million and and Sam Bradford no, would Cam get $50 didn't, Cam million. didn't get it. Cam didn't get it. I mean, Sam, Sam Bradford was the, was the last one, right? Sam Bradford was the last one. Right. I remember Matt Stafford before that. Like, right. Those were the guys that were getting $80 million in right. guarantees before even taking a snap. Then they put in a new 2010 was the last year, I think. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we negotiated the CBA and it changed things. So, but, but here's what I will say to your point, Carla. You don't have to be you patient to, because of that. You don't have to be patient, but then the, also the reality is – at the lower levels of the sport, they're throwing the football a lot more. So when it comes to developing quarterbacks, they don't need as much of a runway as they once did because they're so experienced with throwing the ball. They're operating complex offenses as early as high school. So it's a situation where you don't have to wait in order to find out whether you got the guy. It's not a situation where you got to be patient for four or five years. You know after the second or third season whether or not he's your guy then you can make a determination about what you need to do. But here's the thing. If the guy you drafted is not one of those top 10 to 12 quarterbacks that can win you a Super Bowl, then you're going to be looking to upgrade from that guy. The problem that teams get into is when they don't have one of those dozen or so quarterbacks and they pay him you know, top 10 quarterback money. Ryan That's Tannehill. when you get in trouble. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, case in point. Carson Wentz with the Eagles a couple of years ago. Another prime example, you can't, Jared Goff, you can't do that in today's NFL just because the margins are so tight when it comes to managing your salary cap. Chris, it kind of leads me to this idea. For GMs, they don't get defined by that quarterback pick anymore. They they don't necessarily have their whole legacy determined by it. Howie Roseman. No, no, just ask Steve Kime. Yeah, Steve Kime. Howie Roseman traded up twice to get Carson Wentz, and that didn't work. Um, Jared Goff, what they, what the Rams did, Rams traded up to get the number one pick that year to go get him. Les Snead is still there. I mean, I, I look at it, and for the GMs, the risk factor is not nearly as much as it used to be because of that. So maybe if you're a team like we've seen Mel, in his latest mock draft 4.0 over on ESPN.com, Mel Kuyper Jr.'s uh, mock draft, has Malik Willis going sixth to the Carolina Panthers. Now, Matt Rule has his job on the line, but pushing Malik Willis to the sixth pick because they can, quote, maybe find lightning in a bottle with him and have him come out and be 
a guy who's able to play right away. I mean, that's the only thing you can justify if you're the Panthers and you have one pick in the first three rounds and you're going to take a quarterback. He, he better be somebody that's ready to play right now. Well, yeah, and here's the thing about Malik Willis. He has the dominant traits that that would lead you to believe he can develop into a quarterback that you're capable of winning because, not a quarterback that you can just win with. Like, he, he's got the big arm. He's got the movement skills, similar to what we saw with Josh Allen, who was not the first quarterback taken off the board that year. He wasn't even the second. But he had those dominant traits, and people said he was raw, and you just have to make sure that you develop him properly. Like, there are other quarterbacks that could be example. Justin Herbert, another one. Like, he wasn't the first or the second quarterback taken in his draft, but he had the dominant traits, he had the size, he had the big arm, he had the things that you can't teach. And so Malik Willis does have that, and I can see a world, matter of fact, I think it's more likely than not, that Malik Willis is going to be the first quarterback off the board because of those reasons. But it's a matter of the infrastructure. And Carlin, I'll say this. I never think it's a good place for an organization to be in when you're drafting a rookie quarterback with the head coach on the hot seat. Never it's probably not what you want to do in terms of his overall development. And we've seen some instances in recent memory where that doesn't work out. Sam Donald, it didn't work out with the Jets. Baker Mayfield, didn't work out in Cleveland. Like, you're starting to see, like, you've got to make sure – that you've got a stable environment in order to give yourself a best chance on hitting on that quarterback. Having a head coach on the hot seat ain't the way to go with that. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Um, and with that in mind, if you are a team right now, let, let's say you're a head coach that has his job on the line like Matt Rule does, would you rather the team – go and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Or would you rather the team draft Malik Willis if you are trying to save your job at this point and you're trying to be competitive, at least more competitive, right away? Um, What I would have done is fired Matt Rule at the end of this season and decided (laughs) to start over with my franchise. I moved on from Marty Herney. I've got Scott Fritterer as my GM now. I would have went ahead and got rid of the head coach if I'm not sold on the quarterback, too. They took a big swing with Sam Donald. It didn't work out. And so now it's about resetting the franchise. I just don't like the idea of having the head coach on the hot seat with bringing in a young quarterback because we don't see too many instances where a young quarterback can rise above that. Now, just so happens that we did see one in recent memory, that being Justin Herbert, where it happened. But more often than not, it doesn't. And so I just – I don't, I don't like that idea, but, but if you're the Carolina Panthers, what are your options? Do you want to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy that you know is limited, or do you want to roll with Malik Willis and see if he can grow into those shoes and use Sam Donald as a bridge to that end? Okay. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer, but it ain't a whole lot of great choices when it comes to the Panthers in 2022. All right, then let's go to a different place for a second. Let's go to, just hypothetically, the Seattle Seahawks. Would you rather... If you were able to get one of your first-round picks back, get your first-round pick back from the Jets in a DK Metcalf trade, if it ended up having to be, this is all hypothetical, mind you. The Jets traded the 10th overall pick to get Metcalf, okay? And that's a lot. I know it's a lot. But let's just say hypothetically. If you are the Seahawks or if you are any team that's middle of the pack and don't really know where you're headed – with a draft like this, would you rather have the guy that is a quarterback in the league that's okay, 
That's middle of the road, whether it's um, Baker Mayfield or somebody like that or Garoppolo, not, not that they would trade him to Seattle, but you, you, you see my point, that or would you rather go and draft somebody this year? Man, just go draft the quarterback. Why am I going to throw good money after bad? Why am I going to waste my salary cap on, you know, getting Baker Mayfield and paying him $19 million? It just doesn't make sense to me. Go draft a quarterback that has the potential to develop into the guy that can be under center for the next decade plus. I would go with Malik Willis. That, that's what I would do. I would absolutely go with Malik Willis if I were the Seattle Seahawks and, you know, I had the opportunity to, to you know, to develop a young franchise quarterback versus going out and getting a veteran. That's that's what I would do. I think that's the direction that they probably will be going in because nobody thinks that Drew Locke is going to be their guy no. for the entire 2022 season. That, that's not the case. They got him as a, as a stopgap, and they've probably got bigger plans in mind at the quarterback position, or at least they should. They should have bigger plans. And Seattle, of course, got the, uh when they traded away Wilson, they got the Denver first-round pick, which you got to be clear on, too. So they do have something to work with as opposed to the draft pick that they had traded away in the Jamal Adams trade a few years ago. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio in for Greeny. This, is, this has been Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And speaking of Baker Mayfield, he did not let it go again yesterday, uh, appearing on the You Never Know podcast. Mayfield brought up once again why he is persecuted. I feel disrespected, 100%, mm. because I was told one thing and they completely did another. When I wasn't performing on the field, that's when it really started going downhill. Then when it started hindering my play, and mm. that's when I started losing my own self-confidence and just losing myself. This mm. past year was rough. I would love to show up to somebody's cubicle and just boo the <laughs> out of them. <laughs> yeah. And, see, and watch, watch them crumble. You know, it's really hurt my self-confidence, Chris, all week long when, uh, you know, you and I have not been able to spend enough time together or work out. Or we've done a couple of shows, but we, we really need to get ready for this. And it's, it's, it's hurt my self-confidence. So we're starting our show on April 25th. I mean, come on. It's hurt my self-confidence. Why are you even in the league at that point? Yeah, that's the thing that I don't understand, Carlin. It's not like this is new news that NFL teams don't tell the truth all the time. Players understand that. But the organization not being upfront with you does not give you – the right to be out to be out here and acting like an immature, spoiled little brat. Like you, you have to conduct yourself as a professional. You have to conduct yourself as an adult, and that's not what Baker Mayfield has shown. And it kind of leads you to understand why things were so toxic at the end in that Cleveland Browns locker room. Remember, we got the reports of the locker room being split when the organization released OBJ, and and guys weren't necessarily on board with that. You heard Baker Mayfield, you know, talking about his injuries constantly at the podium after games as a reason why he didn't produce. And then him citing the turnover in the organization and all of the different offensive coordinators that he's had to work with. Nobody cares about any of those excuses. No. Nobody cares about All they want to know is, can you go out there and can you produce? Can you be consistent? Can you show us the guy that we saw in the second half of 2020 when your team went on a playoff run and then you guys destroyed your division rival in the wild card round in Pittsburgh. That, that's what people want to see. And the fact that he can't replicate that and now on top of it, we're hearing all this noise around him. I, I, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze, Colin. I don't yeah. think it's worth bringing this guy into an organization 
and potentially being a polarizing figure, a divisive figure within my locker room in derailing my program. There's it, no way I would take a chance me. on Baker Mayfield, especially at the salary that he is c- coming up in 2022. Chris, it's amazing to me that he continues to not get that nobody cares about his side of the story, that he wants to get out there. It does not matter. All that matters is whether or not you can actually play. So basically what he needs to do is shut up and hopefully he ends up someplace where he's got a shot. It's Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.